listening to Embassy City Church's audio podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message and his word today. For more information on our church, please visit us at embassycity.com. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the book of Isaiah chapter number 23, uh, 53. Isaiah chapter number 53. There are some scriptures that I want to read to you to give you a context of the message that the Lord placed on my heart uh, for Easter. Uh, I'm going to read the first 12 verses, and then we're going to really just get into it. Is that okay? I'm really excited about this. Isaiah chapter number 53, starting at the first verse, if you have your Bibles uh, open to there, if it's on your app, fine. If you don't have either one, just look at the screens. Reading from the New Living Translation, it says this. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's house, in the Lord's presence, like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We we turned our backs on him. And looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. He was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Now, mind you, this is the Old Testament. Hundreds of years before Christ's birth. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet his life is made an offering. When his life is made an offering for sin... He will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. I want you to pay close attention to verse number two. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. Please pay attention to this. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. 
It's my assignment to preach on this resurrection day. Ugly Jesus. Ugly Jesus. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the word, shall we? Jesus, thank you for being ugly for me. Amen. We live in a society where beauty is paramount. Every time you take a picture, you're given no less than 20 filters to get it right. You thread your eyebrows. Wax your legs. That hurts. Pedicures. Manicures. Push your cuticles back. Charcoal for the teeth. No longer has charcoal been relegated to 4th of July. You can now put it in your mouth. Everything that we do as a society is to make sure we look good. Make sure the clothes look good, the hair looks good, the makeup is right, the suit is right. We want to be put together. I would love to say that it's just the world that is just so superficial. They just look at the outside. That's all they care about is the beauty of the outside. God looks on the inside. Man looks on the outside. It would, be, it would be one thing if it was just the world that does this, but Scripture does it too. This is where this particular verse raises my interest because uh, even Scripture points out periodically in the Old Testament people that may have had exceptional beauty. You can't get too far in the book of Genesis without finding out that Abraham's wife, Sarai, was so fine that every time they went out, he had to lie and say that was his sister. It would be one thing if this was a young married man in his 20s, but the woman was 65. When you have to lie about your wife and she's 65, she is fine. So fine, the scriptures had to write it down. She is fine. We're not out of the book of Genesis before we found out that Joseph is such a handsome man that Potiphar's wife is literally throwing herself at him. He was a handsome man. Jacob's wife, Rachel, was beautiful. The scripture also pauses to let us know that Leah <laughs> and they were nice about it. They didn't say she was ugly. They said she had a lazy eye. <laughs> I don't know which is worse. Just call me ugly. Don't be talking about my eye. It just kind of floated to the left or right, depending on the day. 
If it was only in Genesis, that would be one thing. But you can look all through the Old Testament. We can find out that people like Esther, who was a woman of exceptional beauty, they highlight that. That the first king of Israel saw was a handsome man that stood head and shoulders above the rest. That his successor, David, was a handsome young man. That Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were men who were very attractive and also got straight A's in school. The scripture pauses to let us know that these people were people who had incredible outward physical looks. So when we get to Isaiah chapter number 53, we have to really slow down. The reason why we have to slow down is because a lot of times we have become so romantically linked to the scriptures, especially in the King James, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Yay! We rejoice, we celebrate in that narrative, but let's back up. Because the eagle-eyed prophet Isaiah makes a statement that maybe perhaps none of us really want to address. That is the fact that in verse number two, he says that this man that's coming, there is nothing, no thing about him that is majestic or attractive in appearance. Uh Uh-uh. Then he repeats it. Nothing. See, when somebody says something once, you're like, okay. When they say it twice, it's like a verily, verily. There's nothing majestic about him. Okay, maybe he doesn't dress like, no, you don't understand. Nothing. There's nothing about him that will attract you to him. It's scripture's nice way of saying Jesus is ugly. That's difficult for the church to deal with. It's uncomfortable for us to allow that to sit with us because our Jesus is beautiful. What a beautiful name it is. Beautiful name it is. His name was beautiful. But according to scripture, He was not. And the question is, why? Why would the God of the universe choose to come here ugly? Here's what it says in Isaiah chapter number 53. Uh, Just just one verse before, actually, chapter number 52. Isaiah chapter number 52, starting at the 13th verse, says this. See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. He will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they have not been told. They will understand 
what they had not heard about. Let me give you the definition for ugly. Very unattractive or unpleasant to look at. I love this next one. Offensive to the sense of beauty. Displeasing in appearance. Why would God choose ugly? We like our leaders charismatic. We like our leaders attractive. Please put on something nice. Please look the part. Don't embarrass me. But there's something about this Jesus that when he comes, he doesn't want anyone to fall in love with him for nothing else except the word he came to bring. There's three points to this message. I want you to write them down. Point number one, please write this down. He came in ugly. He came in ugly. Philippians chapter number two, verses six and seven. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave and was born as a human being. Instead, he gave and was born as a human being. Gave up his divine privileges. Took the humble position of a slave. He took beauty off. The God of the universe, this beautiful place that he came, when he decided to come down, he did not keep any of his beauty, including physical beauty. Now, he could have. It was in his DNA. David says, great, 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 So he had handsome in his DNA. But when you use beauty to manipulate. When it's because of your looks that you get certain privileges, here's what Jesus is really saying. I'm taking off everything because I don't want anybody to mistake my intentions when I come to do what I come to do for the world. I'm not going to let anything get in the way or distract people from hearing my word. So he came in ugly. Why would Isaiah make this statement? Most theologians want to say, no, that's how he looked on the cross. No, that's how he looked every day. Every day he got up, he was ugly. When he walked around, he was ugly. When he went to bed, he was ugly. And this word stings the heart of people that have low self-esteem. We're like, stop calling him that. My Savior's not ugly. No, he said it of himself. I am. And there's a reason why I decided to choose this physical manifestation. May I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that he chose this physical manifestation Because he chose to walk around on the outside the way we look on the inside. 
He chose to spend every single day of his life living on the outside the way our hearts look on the inside. He says, I know what the ugliness of humanity looks like, and I'm not just going to experience it on the cross. I walk around with it every single day. He chose ugly. You know, there's a lot of people who have poor biblical literacy. I don't know if you've ever heard people like this, but they, they make statements that they say that's in the Bible, but it's not. You know, they, they make statements like, you know, the Bible says a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And you're like, no, that's not, mm-mm. that's not even, I'm not sure. I don't think even Eugene Peterson would write that. I mean, I'm, I know the message is a little open, but I don't think, I don't think that's in there. You know, the Bible says cleanliness is next to godliness. No, actually, that's not, that's not, it's not actually in the Bible. You should stop saying that and read yours. (laughs) How about this one? You know, the Bible says God don't like ugly. Well, actually, that's not in the Bible. But also, it's not a true statement. He does like ugly. Because he came in ugly. See, most people reject, despise, keep distance from the things in your life that are ugly. God not only moved close to it, he decided to wear it. He came in ugly. Point number two, write this down. He hung up ugly. He hung up ugly. Here's what it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 2. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. He himself, in his own body, decided to take on all of the sin nature of the entire world. Don't think the people in this room think the world. Don't think thousands, think seven billion people. That when he went to the cross, what he had in his mind was to take all of the ugliness of all humanity and absorb it into his one body. It's not that just that he came in ugly and walked around like that. It's that he took on the ugliness as well. Here is the example that the Holy Spirit gave me, and it literally blew my mind. He said, Tim, if the sins of the world were all of the oceans combined and spilled on the countertop of God's house, then what God did in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross was reach over and rip off one sheet of paper, like a paper towel, took one sheet of paper named Jesus and wiped it all up. Remember Bounty, the quicker picker upper? Imagine one man going to the cross for all the ugliness of humanity 
past, present, and future, and in one wipe, getting the ocean dried up, absorbed into one paper towel. That is what he did with his death on the cross. Nobody should go to Costco anymore with any other revelation of a quicker picker upper than the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody besides me that is happy that it only took one time to soak up anything that you could ever do past, present, or future for all of humanity. That is the God that we serve. That is the ugliness that he absorbed. I think we should give him 30 seconds of praise right there. God, thank you for taking addictions. Thank you for taking my anger. Thank you for taking my lust. Thank you for taking my bondage. Thank you for taking my depression. Thank you for soaking up every single thing that was ugly in my heart and putting it on that cross. He hung ugly. The death was brutal. There is no movie yet. No TBN special yet. No Daystar presentation yet that can come close to depicting what Christ did on that cross. And I'm not just talking about the crucifixion itself. According to scripture, they keep casting the wrong people. Every person they cast is too pretty to have been Jesus. Jimmy Cavazza was too handsome to portray Jesus Christ. They needed somebody way lower than Jimmy Cavazza to properly depict what Isaiah says is a man who's unattractive. When somebody says there's nothing about this guy twice, believe them. If somebody tries to hook you up on a blind date and they say, listen, now you just owe me this favor, but I'm telling you now there's nothing about them. Nothing about them that's going to make you attractive to them. You should believe that person. The cross was brutal. He walked around ugly, then he takes on ugly for six hours. For all the sins sins to be absorbed into his body, he takes it all on for six hours, and then he dies. One moment, there's life on the cross dying. And in an instant, there is a lifeless corpse on the cross, dead. They bring his body down, broken, while we just ate of the bread, bloodied, while we just drank of the wine. And two men that were not as public with their belief in Jesus while he was doing his earthly ministry become really, really bold in this moment. And Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus bind the body of this lifeless broken corpse 
and they take it to a tomb that Joseph pays for. There he lies for three days. Life less. Body has congealed. Blood in his body has congealed. He has already gone through the stage of rigor mortis. He has been in this tomb for three days. And on the third day, something absolutely miraculous happens. Again, it's quite different than what goes on in the movies. It's quite different than what goes on in our Easter productions. Third day comes. away smoke comes out of nowhere angels descend from I, I mean I guess if we had a budget we would have done it but we don't we d- only thing y'all can get is I just got to tell y'all because we ain't got no money and this the way this ceiling is set up we can't they would have just failed they would have just been hiding on that po- it, it so we can't do it so I just got to tell you <laughs> only churches with high ceilings can do that Everybody would have just been hanging there. They'd have been like, why are these people hanging? (laughs) Shh, just act like they ain't there. They're angels. They'll be down in a minute. (laughs) 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 He's alive. (sighs) But that. There was silence, and there was a corpse in a tomb, and the silence that was there all of a sudden is interrupted by a sound. It's not drums. There's no smoke machine. There is silence, and then there is. There is no sound. If you would have been in there with a microphone for three days straight, you would have heard nothing except maybe little knocks or, 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 or little things with the earth shifting or settling, but there was no major sounds. There is no life in this tomb and then on the third day all you hear is <gasps> see 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 this is this had happened before you see uh, in Genesis there was uh, this first man Adam who had been formed from the dirt and was standing as this lifeless beautiful corpse but no life in his body and God blows into this body and man becomes a living soul as it is now the second man adam is laying on this tomb with no life 
in his body. And the same way that the Holy Spirit blew that breath of life into the first man, Adam, he now comes back for the second man, Adam, and blows into him the breath of life. And he... And it's so anticlimactic to the movies because he just goes... There was a cloth over his face. (laughs) He gets up, takes off all the grave clothes, folds up the clothes, puts them neatly on this slab of concrete that he was laying on. I don't know what clothes he got into. (laughs) That's, That's not there, so I don't know. He wasn't naked, but he put on something else, and then he came out alive, which brings us to point three. He came out beautiful. He came in ugly. He hung up ugly, but he came out beautiful. Now, I... I'm not trying to frustrate anybody the, anybody's theological leanings or persuasion. I by no means am trying to take a, a theological creative license and try to say that this man got a facelift and got braces in three days and had his nose done and uh, came out beautiful. I, I, I don't know if he looked exactly the same or if he was a little bit different. Here's what I do know. A lot of people didn't recognize him. When he got up, There was a lot of people that was doing double, triple, and fipple takes trying to figure out is that it would be one, it's it's one thing if you die, if you die and come back to life, that's a shock. But when people are squinting at you, is it? Something's different. So, so, So I'm not here to say what he physically looked like. He may have looked exactly the same, but what here's what I am saying: even if he did, it's beautiful. To, to, to have lived that life and have died that death and can still get back up again, that's a beautiful thing. Listen, this is the testimony of all of us. If you can have something that was going on ugly on the inside of you and still yet God through his work on the cross through Jesus Christ can let you come out on the other side beautiful, that is something that you need to give him praise for. That's something that you need to give him glory for. That's something that you need to rejoice to the God of your heaven about. He came out beautiful. And here's a beautiful thing. Here's what I love about Jesus. When he got up, he didn't just take off straight to go to heaven. He walked around for about 50 days. That's a, that's like a, that's a beautiful thing. When you get to walk around the stuff that killed you. Um, in the midst of the people that killed you. In the midst of the people that rejected you, and here's the thing, not come back with an attitude. Not come back to prove some, yeah, you thought you had me, didn't you? But you come back like making cameo appearances just being nice. Hey, y'all good? Hey. Jesus? Hey. 
just wanted to come visit. I know you guys are kind of scared right now, but you just stop. Here, look, look right here. Point, touch it, touch it, get in there. His disciples went back to fishing. Guess what he did? He made them breakfast. That's just a nice guy. That's like a beautiful person. He's frying fish on the shore. He's like, y'all can come eat. Who are you? Who comes back to make breakfast? This is why it's Jesus and not me, because if it was me, no, Lord. I wouldn't appear to my disciples first. I would have went straight to the centurion's house. The one that pierced me in the side. I would have fell through that dude's house like, hey, y'all good? Y'all good? You good? It's me. Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God of hosts. My bad. I'm falling back. See, that's why I can't be me. I'm too, my clap back is too real. I can't do it. I still got to die on the cross. I still got some ways about me that's too saucy for scripture. I can't do it. But he can. And not only can he, he did. And I think we should give God praise for coming back nice. I think we should give him praise for coming back holy. I think we should give him praise for coming back righteous. I think we should give him praise hey, for coming back as the king of kings and the lord of lords. Ugly on the outside, beautiful on the inside, able to redeem us and heal us from all of our transgressions and iniquities. It was ugly. It was ugly what he had to go through. But the way he lives is beautiful. The way that he's provided for us to live is even more outstanding. We get to live beautiful lives because he lived the ugly one. What a resurrection message to hear. That no matter what ugly sin you've been walking around with, it was nailed to that cross. Because of his incredible resurrection, we don't have to live with the ugliness of that sin. We can live with the beauty of his life. This message is so deeply impactful to me because my own testimony lets me know that he is attracted to ugliness that he moves close to ugliness being molested as an eight-year-old boy sexually traumatized at eight exposed to pornography and dealt with porn addiction for years Temptation's still there. And here's what he says. I, I, I want you close. That ugliness does not intimidate me. Come closer. I got to keep this away from you. When I get this straight, then I'll bring it to you. He says, no, you won't get it straight until you bring it to me. Come closer. I don't care about your trauma. I don't care about your pain. I don't care how ugly the situation is. I don't care how many generational curses have gone through your bloodline. Bring that ugliness to me. I know what it feels like because I wore it. I want to take it from you. You don't have to live the rest of your life ugly. You can live the rest of your life beautiful. Just come and bring it to me. There's not one person in here that would have chose ugly. 
but I'm so glad he did. He lived. He died. He lives. And because he lives, we can face today, tomorrow, the next day, any day. Ugly Jesus died to give us a beautiful life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more about Embassy City Church, please visit us at embassycity.com and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Embassy Irving.